0: In a world called Craig's List. I never knew a fellow who could stop podcasting once it got started. You do five episodes, you want to do 10. You do 50 episodes, you want to do 100, 100, 200. You just keep podcasting, 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 and you won't stop because there's so much goddamn money in it is the thing. And then you put it on several platforms. Well, you put it on iTunes, and that's the, the main one, but then you put it on SoundCloud, and then people are, what, what about Android? So you put it on Stitcher, and then you get podcasts everywhere, and then you're paying for uh, hosting fees, and you're <laughs> paying for all this other stuff. And then uh, <coughs> next thing you know, You know, you got a co-host who maybe doesn't want to do the podcast with you no more. And then then you're fighting all the time. Like, do you want a podcast? I I want a podcast. So what what, what are you going to do? It's tough business. Hi, guys.
1: Hi, guys.
0: (laughs) It's Craigslist. And uh, you are an
1: elderly man.
0: Well, uh, was it an elderly man?
1: Was it not?
0: That was my elderly prospector character,
1: oh, that yeah. was really good
0: uh, uh you know, you don't have to placate no, I'm being me, Carla serious. No, I'm no
1: being <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic. that was really cool
0: um, kind of based on Walter Houston in this movie mhm do you yeah. re- do you remember that character? yeah, from oh. the beginning <laughs> and and throughout the entire movie, oh, that guy, <laughs> yes. The older man uh hi Craig's listeners it's uh episode 52 on uh, this is episode 49 oh dear God uh <laughs> this is number 52 on Craigslist episode 49 and in today- my heart <laughs> in In Carla's heart. (laughs) And actually, it's the actual episode 49.
1: Episode 49,000 in my heart. Oh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Today's movie is the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Treasure
1: of Sierra Madre.
0: Well, sometimes people drop the these or the thes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard it as Treasure of Sierra Madre. I've heard it as The Treasure of Sierra Madre. And I've heard it as Treasure of the Sierra Madre. But the name of the movie is The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Okay. It's right there in the opening credits. This is a 1948 Hollywood classic written and directed by John Huston. Is that
1: Angelica Huston's dad?
0: That is Angelica Huston's dad. He, Yeah. He's part of the Huston dynasty. But he is the son of Walter Houston, the Mm. patriarch of the dynasty, who plays uh, the aforementioned prospector, Howard, and who won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, so directed for this this movie. Wow. So directed to an Oscar by his son.
1: Nice. Good work, son.
0: The, The only time that's happened, I believe, in Academy Award history. And then Academy Awards as well for Best Director and Best Screenplay for the younger Houston. Is
1: there a fourth generation of Houston's?
0: Yeah, well um you've got uh Danny Houston, Angelica's oh, brother.
1: Oh Danny's cute. Oh wait, no, that's not No, what I'm
0: thinking you're of. thinking of Jack Houston.
1: Jack Houston's cute. Uh
0: who played Richard Harrow on Boardwalk Empire. Yes. yes. Well he's not cute, is when that he is. Is her son? That is I did, There are other Houstons. He is not the son of Danny or Angelica. Oh. Uh there are there's like a an English chapter of Houston's too because oh, he's is he British? he's British. That's right. Yeah,
1: I forgot.
0: Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of fucking Houston's.
1: So, who's Danny Houston?
0: Danny Houston. He plays, uh, usually plays evil guys in movies. He usually plays like the hero's best friend who turns out to be evil at like, the end. What movie? Um, I mean, he's. You Sorry know, to
1: put you on the spot here. We'll talk about it later. It's okay, and I don't want to distract you.
0: He always plays assholes, smug assholes. Uh, let me pull up a picture of Danny Houston.
1: Okay. In the meantime, I'll talk about um Benny. Benny's laying on the couch right now. He looks so tired. Oh yeah, I do know that guy. He's yes. on a lot of stuff.
0: Danny Houston. And he that was is,
1: in Birth with Nicole Kidman.
0: I believe that is correct.
1: Where he played her sad husband.
0: Yes. And he was just in Wonder Woman playing a bad guy.
1: Oh, yeah. He was the bad guy in Wonder Woman. <laughs>
0: he was the bad guy in Wonder Woman. Yes, he was an evil general, right?
1: Oh, no. He wasn't the ultimate bad guy. He was the secondary bad guy.
0: Right. Because he
1: was the, um, what is it called when it's like a fake out?
0: The, the MacGuffin. Her-
1: the Red Herring. The
0: Red Heron. The Red Herring.
1: Is it red herring or herring? I can't believe this keeps coming up on this podcast.
0: Carla confuses herons with herrings.
1: I'm not the only one. People were tweeting, one person was tweeting, that he felt the same way.
0: Well, you got to hit that hard G at the end of herring. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is it red herring?
0: Yeah, red herring.
1: Which is a fish.
0: Which is a fish. Which is a fake fish that makes you think it's another fish. Is that a real thing? I don't really know the origin of red herring meaning – Uh, something that confuses you.
1: We got to find out.
0: Okay. (laughs) But yeah, because the real villain turns out to be David Thewlis, right? Who you think is a good guy. Oh, oh, sorry. That's That's too, too recent. recent. I can't spoil 2017 movies. Sorry, guys.
1: Jeez Louise. Now you have to put an alert.
0: But I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to spoil the shit out of this
1: 1948
0: movie though. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Carla, uh, had you seen The Treasure of the Sierra Madre before? Never. Had you heard of it?
1: I think only on this podcast. Because <laughs> I feel like you've been talking about it for a while. Like that it was coming up or something.
0: I don't know that I've uh, teased it that much.
1: Okay. I don't know then.
0: Yeah. Uh, but this is, uh, this is the first movie that John Huston made after coming back from the war. And we just watched that documentary, They Came Back, or Five Came Back. What is it?
1: You watched it. I didn't watch it. Oh,
0: you didn't watch it? Uh, about all the filmmakers, Hollywood filmmakers, who worked doing documentaries and propaganda films for the U.S. Uh, military. Is that what he did? Yes, he did. He was one of those five filmmakers. So
1: he didn't see battle. He was working on the film side of war?
0: Uh, I believe he was... He was there on the front. I mean, all these filmmakers were there on the front shooting movies, wow. but, uh, to various degrees, uh, because they were assigned to different areas. I think some of them faced more danger than others. Gotcha. Uh, but it's a wonderful documentary. I
1: did, I did want to see it. I think I was just tired and I fell asleep.
0: Yeah. Even narration by Meryl Streep could not keep I you know. awake throughout that movie.
1: I think she got nominated for something for that. <laughs> like an Emmy. Does that sound right?
0: Uh, I don't know. Th- that that would make so. sense. Narration. Mm-hmm. So Streep getting closer to that egot, right?
1: Yeah, she has a Grammy.
0: She what does she have a Grammy for?
1: I think it's for like a children's book that she narrated.
0: Okay. It's not best metal album?
1: It should be. Best <laughs> best album for Ricky and the Flash. Which I also bring up way too much in this podcast. Sorry.
0: I think that's five episodes in a row where you've talked about <laughs> Ricky and the Flash. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can we be honest for a second and say that we've been recording the shit out of these podcasts this week?
0: Let's be real. Guys, let's be real for (laughs) a second here. We have, I think, recorded nine episodes in a two-week period. And because of guest availability, we've had guests for a number of these guests that we wanted to get before Carla moves to Portland. Mm-hmm. um have we I, have we even mentioned that on the podcast that you're moving to Portland?
1: Yes, we have okay, I believe yes, I believe we, we have.
0: did um, so Carla is about to leave l a for a year though she will be back periodically, and I will be in Portland for a while as well, so uh we're just trying to bank as many as possible, which means that we've recorded like uh number 48 the number 54 the number 53 yeah. <laughs> you know of like we've gone all over the place so in the
1: past 2 weeks we've done what we normally don't do which is we've been taping out of order but that's just because of guest availability yes so this is actually coming out pretty soon.
0: This is coming out sooner than several of the episodes yeah. that we've taped. So forgive us if we're confused about what we have said and what we have not said yes, totally. on this podcast.
1: Although I think we were trying to pretend like they were all in order.
0: <laughs> For a while. Now the ruse is up and then you're going to hear this before all the other episodes yeah. that we're faking that we had uh, uh, recorded later. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough.
1: Uh, so not only have we recorded that many, but that means that that's how many movies I've watched in the past two weeks.
0: So, are you feeling a little burnt out?
1: I am, but I like it. It's fun. It's weird because it's like I'm getting to the point where I was burnt out, but now it's still happening. So I'm getting back into it again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I made it through the <clears throat> the tough part.
0: It's like training for an ultra marathon. Yeah, right? that's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> Do you find your ability to watch a movie and uh access your critical thinking yeah, mode I is, is liked, getting better
1: liked the movies more that i've been for the more that I've been forced to sit and watch them i've been like uh brainwashed into liking all of them <laughs>
0: <laughs> brainwashed <laughs> what an odd choice of words uh well, does that carry over into today's movie then? We'll see. Oh, okay. So uh it's the nineteen twenties. It is. It's Mexico. Yep. It's specifically it's Tampico, Mexico. When
1: was this? Uh 1940? Is that what you
0: the said? movie was made in nineteen forty
1: eight. Okay. <laughs> Benny, stop being a jerk.
0: Carla's dealing with two dogs on her lap right now. Mm-hmm. Uh but the, the film is set in the nineteen twenties in Mexico. And uh we follow some down-on-their-luck Americans who are in this uh, Mexican town trying to get work but mostly being bums. Uh, the lead character is Fred C. Dobbs, played by Hollywood legend Humphrey Bogart. And uh, he meets up with another American, uh Bob Curtin, played by Tim Holtz. Cutie. Uh, you like Tim Holtz? Yeah. Yeah, good-looking guy. He was mostly starred in a lot of B-Westerns. Uh, but made. Uh, he's in a handful of Hollywood classics, including this. He's also in Stagecoach with John oh. Wayne. But uh, probably his most famous role was he was the lead in Orson Welles' The Magnificent Ambersons. Oh, which, which was I've the, never seen. Uh, which is a fantastic movie. Which is the first movie that uh Wells made after Citizen Kane.
1: Is it on your list?
0: It was on my list for many years. I took it off last time. It's uh. It was, uh, Wells lost control of his project and the studio cut like 45 minutes out of it, which have been lost forever. The mm. footage has been destroyed and nobody will see it. And so there's scenes at the end that are clearly not shot by Wells. And so that the feeling of, of it being kind of a Frankenstein movie, a little bit, uh, slapped together, um, kind of maybe prevents it from being, uh, all the way in my top 100, but it's a, a fantastic and beautiful movie. And Tim hold is very good in that as well. Uh, and then they meet up with Walter Houston who plays Howard, a prospector who knows, uh, where and how to find gold. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they just get gold fever
1: gold fever, <laughs>
0: and they head for those hills to, uh, to prospect. Yeah. And, uh, sure enough, they, they find gold. Uh, they find the mother load and, uh, but then tensions start to rise as Dobbs in particular gets greedier and greedier and more and more paranoid. And, um, the, uh, the love of money and the love of gold threatens to drive these three men apart. Yep. It's kind of like, what if the last act of Jaws was an entire movie? <laughs> Which is like you get these three alpha males, uh, in a, in a Mm. tight space together and allow them to get on each other's nerves.
1: Right, but the tight space is like the Mexican...
0: Mountains. Mountains. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But it does feel claustrophobic. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. And then they run into some banditos.
1: Banditos. uh,
0: With uh, one of the most famous movie quotes in history. I believe it was uh, by the AFI uh, listed as the... Number 36 movie quote of all time. Badges. We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. (laughs) Were you familiar with that famous line of dialogue?
1: I think I was. Yeah.
0: It's been parodied many times. Uh, thrilling adventure in the Sparks Nevada episodes used to have these characters called Los Benditos Mutantes, uh, which were mutant, uh, Martian bandits that are kind of based on the bandits in this movie. Oh, really? Uh, I believe. Were you one of them? Uh, I did play a Los Bendito Mutante at, at various times. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I actually first became aware of that line of dialogue. There's a song by the band Big Audio Dynamite called Medicine Show that I loved in the mid eighties. And that song is kind of a tribute to Sergio Leone, the Italian spaghetti Western filmmaker. And he had, and the song has all these quotes from the good, the bad and the ugly trilogy or the fistful of dollars trilogy. But for some reason also throws in that line from Treasure of the Sierra Madre, the -hmm. treasure of the Sierra Madre. And, uh, I always thought, because I didn't know it was a line from a movie. I thought it was Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols is what <laughs> that sounded like to me because wow. you could just kind of hear it in the background of something going, I don't got your stinking badges. And it sounded English to me for some reason. So when I first saw this movie, I'm like, oh, that's the line of dialogue in Medicine Show. That's oh, that song that I love. But I definitely watched this for the first time with my buddy Andrew when we were making our way through, uh, Hollywood film classics. So I first saw this movie probably in my late teens. Maybe I was 17 oh, well. or, or 18. And I, I was, feel
1: like you need to get that guy on this podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he lives in Georgia now. Uh, Ange, are you listening? Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you on at some point.
1: We should reach out to him. That would be so fun.
0: I mean, how many of these movies did I see for the first time with him? Probably
1: half of everything that we've talked about. Yeah,
0: I think so. <clears> throat> uh, throat> but it's, it's very odd for a Hollywood movie at the time in a lot of different ways. Uh, first of all, it was shot on location in Mexico and in Arizona. So they, they did some backlot stuff in Hollywood, but you can really see the real locations uh, which was not done that often at the time, particularly in a foreign country. Uh, it has a downer ending, kind of a downer ending.
1: I think the ending's pretty great.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that
1: this saved a lot of
0: goodwill money in, money in money. your, in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's a, it's a fantastic ending. Uh, it's actually kind of a mixed ending. It, there, it's a downer for the characters, but then it kind of ends on an up note, uh, in a strange way. Um, there's no hero in this movie. Uh Tim Holt's character is probably more of the audience's surrogate, but uh you know, Humphrey Bogart, who you would expect to be because he's the big star in it and he's kind of known at this time as a romantic lead, though he had started out as more of a villain in gangster pictures uh before Casablanca. Uh but he's a real shit in it like he is just a a paranoid and obnoxious and selfish character Uh, and it's probably uh, uh, along with the Kane mutiny which was another Bogart performance where he was a real paranoid character uh, one of his most notable performances and and kind of uh, against type for him at, at the time. Uh, and so I think it was very influential on the filmmakers of the 70s who started to do more anti-hero uh movies with ambiguous morality.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Uh Yeah, I was expecting him to be the hero, to be a good guy, to like make it all r- okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and r- right away, I mean, he's a real dick <laughs> at the beginning of the movie.
1: Is he? What does he do right away that – Makes him seem like a dick.
0: Well, he's begging on the streets of Mexico. He keeps hitting up the same uh, wealthy American businessman for a for a peso. Who is Who is John Houston yeah. uh, in a in a cameo? So he hits up the same guy three times without realizing that it's him. Uh, you get a sense that this guy just like wants to get drunk and go to a whorehouse. You know? Right? Um,
1: yeah, I guess that's true. But I, he also has that scene where he um, finally buys a lottery ticket from that. Sad little orphan kid, Um, which is a nice thing to do. And then he really goes out of his way for Tim Holtz's character. Did I just say his name right?
0: Yeah, you did. Oh, good.
1: Tim Holtz' character.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's not until they start prospecting that that Dobbs really kind of goes crazy. Yeah,
1: it feels like he's pretty stand-up. Because he, like, stand-up. He's a pretty stand-up guy. He, uh, he, does, a stand-up he
0: does a stand-up set up there routine. in Tampico, it's, Mexico. Who would have yeah. thought it, was so funny? He does a type five, yeah. Oh,
1: so for that whole bit about the banditos, oh, so funny. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with banditos?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's a stand-up guy in that he offers Tim Holt money to help him because they have to make an investment That's right. In order to go start looking for gold. And so he gives him money for it. Anyways, I'm just saying that's what makes it interesting when he starts to freak out because you're like, whoa, whoa, buddy. Calm down. Where is this coming from?
0: Yeah. He does throw a cup of water in a kid's face, though.
1: Cool. What? (laughs) I'm sorry. I got distracted by a text from Julie Blacker. (laughs) Was it funny? Kind of. It was about, I'm going to New York next week. We're going to hang out.
0: Well, congratulations. Good. La <laughs> di da. Good for you. Uh, when he, the first scene where the kid is bugging him to buy the lottery ticket, he throws a cup of water in the oh, kid's that's face. That's true. You're yeah. right. Do you know who that kid is, by the way?
1: Um, uh, no.
0: Robert Blake. What? Yes. Later known for playing Beretta on TV and, uh, amongst other things, amongst and noted wife murderer. Oh my God. Or accused wife murderer. Crazy. Yeah.
1: I wish you would have told me that when it was on. Then I would have paid more attention to that scene.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Robert Blake, I believe, was in the Our Gang comedies, uh, Little Rascals.
1: Oh, he was?
0: Yeah. I don't think he was one of the main Little Rascals. You know, he was not Alfalfa. (laughs) Um, Are
1: you sure? Or
0: Darla. Uh, but yeah, I think he acted in the Argang comedy. So he was a child actor. So he was in that's Hollywood amazing. his entire career. And he's the lead in a movie that really could be in my top 100. I'll have to reassess it. But in Cold Blood, mm. uh, he is, he's just fantastic in that movie, uh, which is especially chilling, I suppose, given that he later. Not
1: the Philip Seymour Hoffman one. Oh, no, that's Capote.
0: Yeah, In Cold Blood is the is the adaptation of the Capote right. novel. Who plays, so
1: who plays
0: There's no uh I think there's a reporter at the end, but it, nobody's doing like a Capote impression oh, right. or anything okay. like that. So, this is literally just the story uh of the of the murderers.
1: I read the first like two chapters of that book maybe 8 years ago and I put it down. And I was like this is the scariest thing I've ever read.
0: It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it really gave birth to true crime, you know. Sure. Uh, the whole true crime genre. I mean, it's still the the greatest example of and it. And I know but I'm
1: supposed to read it. I need to go back and finish it. But it was it scared me so much. Yeah. That I was like, I can't. This is too dark.
0: It's great writing.
1: It is great writing. Anyway,
0: that's Robert Blake in the movie. Oh wait. I forgot what we were talking about <laughs> or why we were talking about that.
1: Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> what else?
0: And then I think. Walter Houston in his Academy Award-winning performance—it's just a very memorable character as mm-hmm. Howard the Prospector. He talks yes, a right. mile a minute. I tried to do that up top. I don't think I did justice. It was good. To yes, it. it was. I actually get Walter Houston confused with Walter Brennan, who was another Hollywood actor at the time. Who kind of uh and uh ooh and he—I think I was doing a little more of a Walter Brennan voice, which uh, sounds like this. And he was in a lot of westerns, and he talked real fast too, and he—he he was uh-huh. a little more rural. Uh, so uh, the, uh, yeah, also in the Sparks Nevada world, I played a character called Felton who had a little bit of Walter Brennan, uh, energy about him oh, as really? well. Yeah. And he was also based on an actor named Andy Devine, who's in a lot of like old Westerns and John Adam Wayne Devine. movies, uh, not Adam, Devine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy Devine, um, who would have been in workaholics had they made it. And if there are any in the thrilling adventure
1: fans out there listening, they're gonna be so delighted <laughs> in this episode with all these bits of Jenna, trivia. Hi Jenna, yeah. I think she listens to a lot of these. Uh hi Jenna. Which is very nice.
0: Yes. Um, but I I, I love Walter Houston in this movie. And then just the, the contrast between the performances, uh Tim Holt, who is very grounded and, and real, uh in a in a very non old Hollywood way. Yeah. And then both Agreed. Walter Houston and Humphrey Bogart are kind of playing to the rafters a, a little bit. They're a little bigger. Uh, but I think the contrast in personalities between these three characters produces like a lot of good tension. Agreed. Um, but there are really no female characters in this movie. Agreed. <laughs> Did you notice that at all? Yes. Yeah. And so it, it is a little bit of uh, just kind of... In
1: this world... I mean, that's the difference for me. Like in this story, there wouldn't have been a lot of women around, mm-hmm. you know, so that's you felt it was
0: organic to the story yeah, that they were like, that's telling the
1: difference for me yeah. when I'm watching something. It's like w- in real life, women would be here or, or they probably wouldn't really be around. Yeah. and I just don't because it's like three men going out looking for gold. Like, I just don't know that a lot of women did that sort of thing. <laughs> sure. In the 20s.
0: I guess it would be worse to shoehorn like a romantic story and and force it in. Maybe you get more upset when there's women who kind of run the periphery of the story, but they're never given any agency or never, you know, there's no interest in their interior life or motivations or or anything. Yeah, I think that's right. Mm -hmm. Does that bother you more?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: It's not that I can't connect to a a (laughs) male-dominated story. Um oh there was something we just watched. Oh no I can't spoil it. Coming up later. That's what gets confused. But there's a there is a male uh dominated story <laughs> coming up that I love. That's like a great movie.
0: Okay. I think I know what that is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But you guys don't you so guys you're don't. gonna have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: so after they after they find gold, uh then Humphrey Bogart starts to go crazy and he wants to divide up their sacks of gold and he starts hiding his gold from everybody else. Uh, Tim Holt goes to town to get some provisions and runs into another American who immediately like sniffs him out of like this guy's got gold right? and kind of follows him up to camp. And then they have this whole conversation of like uh, whether to let this guy in on their gold find or to murder this guy yeah. <laughs> or to or to just let him go. Uh, and it's really kind of chilling. And then they, they actually vote to murder him. It's crazy. Uh, and so as they're about to do, and that guy's a very good actor as well. Uh, his name was Bruce Bennett. Uh, and I guess he was a Tarzan. Oh, wow. He was, uh, he was an Olympic medalist in the shot put or the discus or something like that in the early thirties. And at the time Hollywood w- was recruiting a lot of Olympic athletes to come and star in pictures. And so, uh, I guess he was in Tarzan movies and then, uh, changed his name to Bruce Bennett and kind of like moved into like westerns and character acting and, and stuff like How that.
1: cool. I love that you know all this stuff. <laughs> I do. Well, I think it's really neat.
0: A lot of it I looked up, but uh but I'm interested in it. Uh and then there's a, a factoid uh I hate that word. <laughs> a uh-huh.
1: Fact. It's actually a
0: fact. It's not yeah. a Yeah, f- what
1: is a factoid?
0: Oh, I want to say that factoids like is maybe a term that factoid. well, it's maybe a term that <laughs> USA today came up
1: with. Oy.
0: I I'm interested in the derivation of factoid. Um but I don't know. Oh, I don't I didn't know. know that
1: that's how you said that word.
0: Derivation. Yeah. How how would you say it?
1: Um. No, you're right. I would say it like that. <laughs> I don't think I've said it in a long time.
0: <laughs> Try saying it. It's fun.
1: Derivation. Yeah.
0: There you go. Oh, but in reading up on this movie that I've probably seen six or seven times in my life, I never knew the story of where what it was based on. Or that it came from a book. I guess I, I maybe in the back of my mind, I knew that Houston adopted it from a novel. Adapted. Uh, adapted. Uh, and he, d- he actually did adopt a Mexican child while he was shooting down there and did not tell his wife. Oh Yes. Uh, I need
1: to finish that Angelica Houston autobiography. That's I right. Never finished it.
0: She probably covers some John Houston stories. Well, as in, far as I that. got
1: in it, she never sees her father. Right. <laughs> she like lives. Uh, when she's a kid, she like lives in a giant house with a farm, like in Ireland, I think, or mm-hmm. Scotland.
0: Because he divorced her mother like shortly after she was born. I or? think at
1: the point that I'm still at, they're still married, but he just like never comes home. Yeah. He sounds like a real piece of work.
0: I think so, yeah,
1: uh, but she had a happy childhood, supposedly
0: uh but the the movie is based on a novel from the 1920s, uh written by an author named b. traven B traven a, B Traven, the letter B period Traven. <laughs> and nobody knows who this guy is. hmm uh he wa- it was a pseudonym. And there are theories as to who he actually was, and I think most uh scholars agree that he was a German
1: Shakespeare.
0: He was William Shakespeare, (laughs) who at the time was five hundred years old. Uh and was writing uh
1: Bill Shakespeare really got around.
0: Bill Shakespeare was writing pulp fiction uh about Mexico in the nineteen twenties. Uh but uh nobody knows who B. Traven. Was. Wait,
1: I'm sorry. I totally hijacked it. <laughs> for,
0: for your Bill Shakespeare <laughs> joke? <laughs>
1: that doesn't even make sense. Uh, uh, you said the scholars thought uh, it could be who? Uh,
0: a German actor hmm. uh, who who also spent some time in America, but eventually made his way and lived in Mexico for years. And I guess even his publishers didn't know who he was. He would submit his manuscripts through agents or whatever. But, but how he,
1: would he get paid? <laughs> That's what you're worried about. If they didn't know who he was. Go ahead, keep going.
0: I don't. I don't know. I don't know, I know. how he got. I... But he. But he had. He had uh, go betweens. He had some sort of agent or whatever who would. You know. I, I don't know. I don't know That's what nice his answer. arrangement was. Um,
1: Why wouldn't you want it all the glory, all the <laughs> fame and glory?
0: But uh, he was an anarchist, and his books were all anti-capitalist. Ooh. So. Th-
1: that makes sense for this story. So,
0: there's definitely a moral of this story of uh not getting caught up in wanting money and greed and and I think that's another, you know, money is tough, you know.
1: You're preaching to the choir.
0: Yeah. Oof. You think about money a lot.
1: All the time. <laughs> How we need to get more of it.
0: Yeah. And we're fine. Yeah. We like you know i don't know what percent we're in we're not in the 1% <laughs> definitely we're in
1: like the top 62% we're in the,
0: let's say we're somewhere in the top 62% <laughs> you know but uh yeah i think i really responded uh even as a teen to the the moral of this story yeah. Uh and it definitely a Bogart's portrayal uh, of a guy who's just thirsty for for money. Uh it's a real turnoff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing I like about Walter Houston's performance, which is like he's you get the sense that this guy has earned and lost fortunes many times over the years. And uh he as Bogart starts to go crazy he you can see how savvy this guy is, and he's really trying not to rile Bogart and he always kind of takes the diplomatic point of view on everything of like well, whatever you guys say, I'll go along with whatever you say you know like well, you could do that and that'll be fine you could also do that and that'll be fine <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh and and so i i I just love the character of Howard I think he's a great character um well, let's go through the movie a little bit chronologically with a segment that we like to call Carla's quotes. She's feeling her oats, and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's quotes. At the beginning of the movie, that scene where we you talked about where he throws that glass of water in uh, Robert Blake's face, you said, "Yikes, that's child abuse."
1: Oh yeah. And then I was like, "He." When I was talking before, I was like, "He was so nice to him," <laughs> as though I didn't even see it.
0: Uh, Carla and Humphrey Bogart. He wasn't a good-looking man, was he?
1: He really wasn't. It's kind of amazing that he was as famous as he was at that time without having to be very good-looking. Now, that's not to say that he's not a really good actor or charismatic. I just meant like in terms of him being – he kind of was like a stud, right? Like a heartthrob?
0: It's interesting the arc of his career because he started out playing thugs and gangsters. Yep. And – (laughs) feels right yeah but then they showed an old headshot of him from like the early 30s and and in the documentary that i watched that's on the dvd and the commenters were like he was really handsome at the time you know i uh, partially in this movie i mean they're trying to make him look unattractive sure uh but i think he was an alcoholic and uh he also was taking hormones at the time because he and Lauren Bacall were trying to, uh, get pregnant. Uh, oh. and the hormones were causing his hair to fall out, uh, as well. So I think he's wearing a wig for a lot of this movie. And, ah, yes. Um, and then, uh, of course, you know, the character gets progressively, uh, more disheveled, mm-hmm. you know, and so that like that wig is, he's got like layers of dust and grime on his face, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I mean he he's an odd looking guy, his teeth are are, are kind of bad too, but I think Casablanca
1: looks like he's been through a lot yes, uh probably a lot of drugs uh, smoking and alcohol
0: <laughs> drug smoking
1: drug smoking
0: alcohol. uh seriously in the meth, uh Humphrey Bogart. um no, I think Casablanca was like his first romantic lead uh, um and then, but even then, well,
1: you know was Casablanca.
0: 42?
1: Before this or after? Yeah, it
0: was before this. It was six years before this.
1: Oh, this was 48. You
0: yeah, this was 48. You that like
1: three times. That's okay. But <laughs> then we talked about the 20s, <laughs> and then you just said something about the 30s. So.
0: I'm all over also, the decades.
1: The top 62%. There's a lot of numbers in this episode.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, and they
1: will all point you, lead you to discovering the treasure at the end of the episode. <laughs>
0: Yes, I've been dropping, <laughs> I've been dropping hints. You know, the all these numbers I've been throwing out are latitudes and longitudes, guys. So you know, you know where the treasure is. You know, I've given you every clue. Every clue you need is right here in this podcast.
1: We'll never say we didn't do anything nice okay. for you.
0: Carla doesn't want to have to do math on this podcast. <laughs> that was the one condition when we started. Like, please, Craig, no math.
1: Oh boy.
0: Uh, I remember, oddly enough. Uh, around the time of when Pritzy's Honor came out, which is a John Houston movie that Ange- Angelica Houston won the Oscar for in that one. That's so that's. Oh,
1: I never saw that either. Is Jack Nicholson in that? Yeah,
0: uh, so that's how
1: they met and hooked up.
0: No, they were already a couple.
1: Already a couple.
0: Because, well, let me jump to another movie then, Chinatown, nineteen seventy four. Uh, John Houston plays Noah Cross, oh, of the, course. the villain. That's right. in that. Yes. And so, uh. Nicholson had just started dating Angelica around that time. And then so there's a scene in which Noah Cross confronts Jake Giddis and he's like, are you sleeping with my daughter? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so totally. it was real at that time when like Nicholson was really uncomfortable that he had to do a scene with his girlfriend's dad. That's really you funny. Know? Um, and so like there's something about the reality of that that makes that scene cut even deeper. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Pritzy's honor was a, uh, I, one of the last movies that Houston directed, uh, and, uh, e- Siskel and Ebert did a special, uh, comparing the works of Jack Nicholson to the works of Humphrey Bogart. And the idea of like, here's the leading man of the forties. He's the leading man of the eighties. What would Bogart be doing if he was an actor now in the eighties? And is Nicholson just because of, um, the, you know, the end of the code and everything? And Nicholson's allowed to do more gritty stuff, you know, than Bogart ever could. Uh, and I, I didn't really th- think of them as equals, but I thought it was an interesting comparison, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Do you think one of them is better than the other? Is that why you said equals? I, I guess. Or do you just mean they're different
0: I think it's hard to compare across eras because even though I kind of talked about Bogart having a little more range than most actors were allowed to show at that time, it's still kind of limited by the studio system right. I think you know and then you know the era that Nicholson came up in where there's a lot more profanity and violence and, and stuff like that and you can do movies about grittier subject matter right. you know it would be interesting to transport them to each other's eras and see what their careers would have been. Right. Um, anyway, uh, and then there's, uh, uh, curtain and Dobbs fall into this scam, which is another American expat, uh, who hires these workers for like two weeks at a time to like build a whole camp and keeps promising that he's going to pay them at the end of the two weeks. And uh, I guess everybody in town has fall fallen for this scam. Uh, it's just a crazy I story. I did
1: feel like that was a little too much. Mm-hmm. Here's the pro- here's the problem with these older movies that I haven't seen and don't know what they're about. It's hard to trust them when you sit down to watch them because you're like, this could go in a million different directions, and and not necessarily pay off in any given direction. Yes. Um, and I guess it's just the style of the time maybe, but like if I had sat down and read a synopsis of it ahead of time, then I would have known that they were going to go look for gold (laughs) at some point, but I didn't. And so all of these kind of fake, fake outs of stories, and this is one of them, which is he, they go, he go, this is how he meets Tim Holtz character, I guess, but, um, but he goes and like works for this guy they go and work for this guy who doesn't pay them then there's the scene where they find out he hasn't paid them then there's the scene where they have to go track him down and beat him up to get their money
0: yeah there's like, a huge ass bar fight there's
1: but- all like there's like five scenes for this storyline that that's It's like a mini storyline. It's not the movie. And it takes up like 15 or 20 minutes in the movie. (laughs) And so that that's like – I would say – and I understand that they're setting up the characters and they're showing how they met. But really, if you did this movie today, you would just start with the two of them paying the money, the down payment to go on this adventure and to find this goal. Like that's where this – we don't need to know how they met because we know that they're both just bums who are looking for work.
0: Yeah. I mean, storytelling is probably a lot more streamlined now Yeah, and with everything kind of following the Save the Cat templates.
1: Well, not even that, but just being efficient. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I, I imagine it's something straight out of the novel that they just included. Of course. Yeah. In there. Yeah. I mean, you could say that it's kind of setting up the desperation of these guys of like mm-hmm. how much. Uh, suffering they're going through of like the, you know, they don't have a cent to their name. You know, they, they worked hard for this guy expecting to get paid. You know, I feel
1: like that could have been three lines of dialogue between the two of them. Yeah. And they, they have the great set up with Humphrey Bogart's character where he is begging for money and where he, you know, yeah. And, and I know this stuff with Robert Blake's little kid character <laughs> is important because that comes back towards the end. He's the one who figures out something at the end that I won't spoil, but yeah, Anyways, I'm just saying that to me felt like this is a really long movie and it's only the first part of the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it just added too much
0: plot. Uh, when we first meet. Let's say
1: that you agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I buy that. I buy Don't that. Just move on and, as though I didn't just speak for five minutes. <laughs> I
0: buy that. I buy that. Okay. Um,. But I, I, I think that actor, the guy who's scamming them, is good as well. I, I, I like that stuff. It, it works for me. But I get it. I yeah. get it that it, it could be cut. Um, when we first meet Walter Houston, he's in some sort of like hobo shelter or whatever. So they're they're all just hanging out in this place. And Carla said, "Why are there shoes hanging from the ceiling?" Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Just like hanging out at home, you know, like you, you get some snacks, you get a drink occasionally. And so I said um, to Carly, you need anything? And she said, a good movie to watch. Oh! This was 13 minutes in. Boy. There's uh, that big bar fight that I was talking about. Carla said, that wasn't a real punch. <laughs> <laughs> and then she looked at her phone for a while and then looked back up again and she said, are they still fighting? This is the longest fight in history. <laughs> It wasn't quite they. It did
1: feel like a slow motion fight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't quite they live territory.
1: They live. What's that?
0: That John Carpenter movie about the aliens that are uh, living among us with Jesse Ventura. Not Jesse Ventura, but uh, Roddy Piper.
1: Is this something we watched?
0: No, no. I thought you've seen They Live. No. Um. Anyway, there's a long ass fight in an alley between Roddy Piper and Keith David
1: Oh,
0: uh, that I think is famous as the longest fight in movie history. Oh, okay. and It's like it's part of the joke that it just keeps going and going and Man, going. The way
1: you said that it was like that was a movie on your list that we had watched <laughs> and I had just completely forgotten about.
0: <laughs> That's when you wear those special sunglasses and you see that people are, are skulls.
1: What are you talking about?
0: Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you have seen this one. Uh,
1: <laughs> oh, Benny just looked at me because I snorted at him.
0: At the end of the bar fight, uh, that guy, Pat McCormick, who's supposed to pay them is down on the ground. And Carlos said, don't kick him. It's too much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it- too much time. It takes too much time. <laughs> it takes too
0: much time. Of like <laughs> uh, but they didn't really do that at the time. You know, you couldn't show that much violence. Uh, right. I feel like that's one of your, in a, in a violent fight scene, Kicks. uh, Kicks to somebody's face or kicks to Oof. somebody's stomach are one of the things that really you can't Fuck handle. Me. Um, Carla said, he's honorable. He just took what was owed him is what that scene was about.
1: Oh, yeah. He picked up the wad of cash from the guy he just beat up and he just took...
0: Just took what he was owed.
1: Just took what he was owed. He didn't take the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Which uh, that was... Yeah, I guess that is... <coughs> there. Yeah, you have to see that scene in order f- to see how... He goes crazy later.
0: Yeah. I think this is a Bogart line, though it might be Walter Houston, but uh, that's the kind of sugar Papa likes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: I'm going to say that more often around the house. Don't
1: you dare. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Referring just to sugar. Right, right. Know. That's the kind of sugar Papa likes. <laughs> um, Carlos. And then when they finally start off for prospecting, Carla said, that exposition took half an hour, which just might be all I need to watch. (laughs) You said this at the 21-minute mark, by the way. (laughs) Um,
1: But really, yeah, that's too much. Just start your movie. Just start the story.
0: Another thing interesting about this movie is how much of it is in Spanish that's untranslated.
1: Yes, I noticed that. I did think that was really interesting.
0: Uh, and certainly not standard at the time, uh, to subtitle, you know, uh, a Hollywood movie at the time is not going to subtitle, you know, uh, dialogue in another language, but you might, uh, you might have white actors playing Mexican speaking in thick accents, but mostly he just allows them to speak Spanish. And then occasionally we get Howard or some other character translating it for us. And sometimes he just l- lets it play with no translation, which is yeah. interesting.
1: The whole ending scene.
0: <clears throat> there's uh, a few minutes of just spanish dialogue i guess yeah. it's
1: not the very end but yeah yeah leading up to it it's just several minutes of just spanish
0: and then around the half hour m- moment you wondered who was telling me this is a fun movie some guy <laughs>
1: <laughs> somebody on the podcast said it was fun
0: yeah a craigs listener or maybe a friend of ours no, commenting. So, on some- i think
1: it was a guest oh, okay had,
0: oh was yeah it matt? matt parker or James Dunn.
1: I think it might have been Matt. Because okay. this comes out after the Science of the Lambs episode, right? Yeah. And he's like, oh, that'll be fun.
0: <laughs> and was it? Well, I'll well, let it. you know. We'll get to it. Um, and, you know... I, I just think it's interesting, you know, learning stuff about prospecting as sure. well. Of like when they find fool's gold, and and Howard kind of laughs at them, and then when you see that gold really is just dust and kind of looks like sand, but he can kind of sniff it out. Um, <clears throat> and then when they build the sluice and everything, um, I I just I learned a little bit bit about prospecting, which I like. Uh, but Howard has a line: "Water's precious, sometimes more precious than gold." And Carla said, "True dat. We can't a live without the water." <laughs>
1: I said this as there were raging
0: fires in Burbank. And then there's another scene where, uh, the guys are sleeping and Walter Houston's cooking beans and he keeps offering them the beans. And so he, every time he said, how about some beans, Carla, uh, and Carla would chime in. He said, How about some beans? Carla said, No thanks. We're napping. And he takes out his harmonica and starts <laughs> playing. And Carla said, Ah, oh, motherfucker, I'm trying to sleep. What's wrong with you? I hope you fall face first into that fire.
1: <laughs> well, because they're exhausted. <laughs> they're so tired from digging and whatever.
0: They need beans. They need beans for strength.
1: And he's being so annoying and they're just trying to sleep. <laughs> they just wanted a
0: nap. Then you said, this movie is boring as fuck.
1: Oh, you don't have to save that stuff.
0: <laughs> then uh, one of the prospectors says, I'm about ready to give up. And Carla said, me too. Has it been 40 minutes yet? <laughs> <laughs> when they do open that sluice gate, Carla said, nice work, guys.
1: When they open the what?
0: The sluice is like the, the little. Uh, the water thing? The water trench, oh, yeah. you know, where they can start panning for uh, panning for gold. This is Carlon Bogart again. He's like the crankiest of the cranky old man actors. <laughs> and then uh when Cody, this guy who kind of invades their camp, they decide to murder him. But then the banditos show up and uh, he gets shot by them instead. And so they decide to bury his body and they discover that he's got this letter from his wife and they read it out loud. It's a little hokey, uh, but it, the the whole thing is. You know, uh, painting kind of this bucolic picture of a farm, you know, with wild berries growing, you know, Mm -hmm. and now they feel a little bit bad that they were going to (laughs) kill this guy, you know. So it's kind of this maudlin moment, but it does set up uh, Curtin's character at the end. Um, And then uh, they run into some natives, uh, some indios, uh, and then there's a, a boy who almost drowned, and so they ask for Howard's help. And, uh, and so he goes to the, the village to help this, uh, drowned boy. And he's kind of pumping his arms up and down. And, uh, and Carla said, Hey, we're exercising at the same time.
1: <laughs> oh, because I was exercising.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. You were, yes, that's what was happening. Yeah. I you,
1: decided to start lifting weights in the middle of the living room. And yes, we were doing the same exact arm movement. That,
0: that was an odd choice of like Carla was doing, uh, aerobics and some stretching and some light, la- light, Weightlifting. You don't
1: know if it was light.
0: <laughs> what uh, What were you rocking? What kind of poundage there? Tens. Yeah, doing some tens. <laughs> Ten on each arm. <laughs> uh, no dogs in this movie. So Carla said, think those donkeys are still alive? <laughs> <laughs> then you said, think Humphrey Bogart is still alive? <laughs> uh, I just remember Walter Houston died two years after this movie. So he died in 1950. Whoa. Um How sad. I think he was in his mid sixties at the time, and then Bogart, I think, was gone by fifty seven, so Oof. nine only nine years after this. Um and then you know, Dobbs turns on Curtin, he shoots him, leaves him for dead, takes the, the money. Uh Carla said, Can't believe you did that to your friend, you skeezy man. <laughs> Was this Humphrey Bogart? You said he looks like Gary Shandling.
1: Yes, there's a scene where he's um really sweaty and his hair is like really dark.
0: It's the hair and the teeth. I think the combination of that. Yeah. I, I totally saw that the Gary Shandling connection. Uh, then he runs into the the banditos again and they kill him with a machete.
1: That was crazy
0: and carla said he kind of deserves it doesn't he
1: yeah
0: uh apparently houston shot a scene in which they decapitate him and his head rolls down Whoa. the ground but of course they had to cut that there's no way in a hollywood movie of 1948 that you can show a well, decapitation and that's funny but,
1: because i felt like i knew that he was decapitated even though they didn't show that
0: yeah it feels i mean excessively violent for yeah. a movie at the time without showing too much mm-hmm. you know uh and, yeah, I mean, th- that famous line of uh, we don't need no badges, but I-, I love the performance of Alfonso Bedoya as Gold Hat, who's the leader of the Banditos, of, like, he's very, like, smiley and jovial Scary. but menacing at the yeah. same time. Like, he's one of the most memorable, you know, minor roles uh, of a villain. Um Carla said, hey, is that the Westworld set? Looks like it could be. <laughs> We actually, when we were shooting Drunk History on a day that Carla visited, got to go into the church that they use for some scenes in Westworld. Yep. Uh, when does that season come out?
1: Drunk History? Or-
0: <laughs> <laughs> that will, that will never be seen. We shot an entire season that uh, will never come out. Um, now February for Drunk History. I don't know about Westworld. Hopefully by this fall. I don't know. I'm excited to see that second season, Carla. Eh. Uh great score by Max Steiner, uh one of the great uh Hollywood composers. But uh there was a theme he was using that sounded a little close to Darth Vader's theme. I I I don't dun, think Max Steiner dun, dun, ripped it up, dun, but yeah. Dun,
1: dun, 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 dun.
0: Carla kept singing bum 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 bum. That's all I hear for the music in this movie. <laughs> And then, okay, spoilers ahead. If you have not seen the end of Treasure of Sierra Madre, well, the already Treasure he's of. spoiled it, Humphrey Bogart. Well, he he's. Yes. Yeah. So that's a pretty big <laughs> <laughs> No, but he, he keeps walking around and talking and everything. You know, Dobbs carries around his head. Oh my uh, God. yeah. Okay. But <laughs> here's the spoiling of the very ending. Uh, the banditos, uh, take the burrows that have, uh, they've got the animal skins that, the that they have and they've, uh, wrapped up the gold in the, the animal skins, but they think they've, it's just sand that they've weighted it down, uh, with. So they open all the bags and pour out all of the gold dust onto the ground. Carla said, ah, bummers. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, the banditos get captured by the federales and, uh, executed. And, uh, because the boroughs had the, uh, the brand that they were given at the beginning. So they're easily identifiable by the, the townspeople. And then they take Howard and Curtin to where the gold dust has been dumped out and, but a dust storm has brewed up and the wind is blowing all the gold away. And Walter Houston's reaction to it is just beautiful he just starts laughing his ass off so great <laughs> he's like that gold is going back to where it came from wow. and Carlos said he's got a good sense of self oldie <laughs> <laughs> um and then Carlos said that's a good payoff to this really serious movie
1: it really was i really liked the ending quite a bit because then he gets uh tim whatever his name is Yeah. Holton to start laughing too. And so then it's just the two of them cackling.
0: (laughs) It's so unexpected. It's
1: so unexpected. It's really good.
0: Yeah. And so I guess, you know, that's the moral of like you, you know, you work your ass off for however long they're up there, six months, you know, you've invested your whole life in this thing. But, Mm -hmm. you know, life itself is more precious than money can be. And you just have to be amused at this great ballet that we call life.
1: So Tim then leaves to go hook up with the dead guy's <laughs> wife. Yes. Which is bizarre. It's
0: bizarre. So the uh, so Howard decides to stay in the Indian village where he's now like a medicine man and he's like they they want to make me their legislature. Their whole legislature. That's
1: <laughs> a funny line too.
0: And uh and then Tim Holt's like, "Well, I might uh go see what Cody's widow is up to." So-
1: this woman he never met. He
0: never met. He only knows her from a letter. And Carla said, "I've got a widow to fetch."
1: <laughs>
0: and that's the end of the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Carla, you want to give this a letter grade?
1: I'll give the overall movie a B Mm-hmm. For boys will be boys. <laughs> there's a lot of boys in this. Yeah. But I'll give the ending of the movie an A minus.
0: Okay. Cool. An A,
1: an A for that like that last scene was really good.
0: A for the ending, B overall. That's yeah. better than I would have expected.
1: I think it's an interesting story. Yeah. Honestly. Um I was a little cranky watching it, but
0: That's okay. You were a little burnt out. We watched a hell of a lot of movies <laughs> in a short amount of time, so Thank you for sticking with this.
1: Thank you, Craig.
0: Yeah. I think fifty two feels a little high for this one. I'm moving it's keep I'm keeping it on the list, but moving it down between I believe it is better than Gone with the Wind. Really? I believe it is better than Gone with the Wind, but not as good as The King of Comedy.
1: Really? Okay.
0: <laughs> so that's where it's going.
1: All righty.
0: Uh you want to do a scene from this movie? Yeah. Well, actually, let's do the scene that takes place at the beginning of the sequel, which wins uh uh when Curtin shows up at the ranch of uh, Cody's wife.
1: Great. Um, hi. hi. Uh Hi. Are, oh, I'm are you delivering milk today? Is Bob out?
0: Uh Yes, I'm uh, I'm sorry, I have to admit that I'm not really the milkman. I did murder the milkman and, and steal his uh, outfit and here is your milk. Oh Bob by ha- the way,
1: has such a nice family. Oh. They're really gonna miss him. Oh
0: he's got a widow too. <laughs> oh man. Wait, how do really- you
1: know that I'm a widow?
0: Oh ah, uh, My name's Curtin. I'm sorry. I should have started with that.
1: Curtin? Curtin. Like the fabric that you hang from the window?
0: Um, I can't spell, so I'm I'm not sure if it's spelled the same. But yeah, but it's pronounced it's pronounced the same as that. I'm not sure whether that's my first name or last name. By Listen, the way, but curtain,
1: just guys have been lining up around the block to come in and and give me their uh quote unquote condolences, <laughs> <laughs> and they've been bringing a lot <clears throat> of gifts over. I mean, now a- I know that I'm a hot piece of something, something, but. I'm, I'm in mourning right now.
0: Look, to see you firsthand, I have, I've only known you from your, your letters.
1: I've never written you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you wrote your husband, Cody. Yes. I met him down in Mexico.
1: You met Cody?
0: Yeah. I, uh, I saw him die. What? I, I saw him die.
1: I, I know, but I <laughs> meant like, how? <laughs> how?
0: Well, look, uh, me and a couple of other pals uh we had a little prospecting thing going and uh and Cody was trying to horn in on that. We were going to murder him.
1: Oh, sounds like Cody.
0: Yeah, we were we had voted to murder him.
1: Oh, you're a real you're real into murder.
0: Well, you know, I I I got to protect my interests, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, but l- luckily, I-, I didn't, I didn't murder him. I mean, I had a gun drawn on him and everything, but then some, some banditos came in. You know, we asked them, uh, if they were federalists to show their badges. They said, uh, we, we, we ain't got no badges. Uh, we don't like I've heard that have any badges. I feel we like
1: that's something a lot of people say.
0: A lot of people say that. Yeah. We don't like have, as a joke. We don't have to show you any stinking badges. Well, yeah. it started with this guy. This was the first okay. guy who said it and okay. then it kind of like
1: – Wait. Know. So you're saying the Banditos murdered my Cody. They
0: they did murder your Cody.
1: But you were going to murder that, him.
0: I was but I didn't. But, but only I'm now, because
1: the Banditos showed up?
0: Yeah. But now I'm here to take you as rightfully mine.
1: Well, hold on a second. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. What kind of dowry do you have? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what kind of dowry do you have?
1: Nope. In my world, it's the man who has to provide the dowry.
0: Well, I do have, uh, I have some whole milk. I have some 2%. I have some, some Greek yogurt.
1: Really? Cause Leonard down the street has a bunch of gold.
0: Leonard? He's got gold?
1: He's got gold.
0: Well gold means nothing. I mean
1: I actually it's quite it means quite a he's he's a very rich man. Nope,
0: no. Nope. The moral of this story is gold is meaningless. Like, I don't you know, know what know?
1: story you're a part of.
0: It's just dust and it, it <laughs> blows away and
1: my story is all about that sparkly stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this didn't turn out how I'd hoped. I thought immediately I'd show up, say that I was gonna murder your husband, and then I'd just I'd just marry you and eat eat your sweet
1: berries (laughs) i do have a kid you could have if you really wanted a family
0: okay yeah that that'll work and (laughs) see
1: it's just kid she's just giving out her kids
0: it's just gonna be an awkward conversation you know regardless
1: how's that gonna work out
0: (laughs) well carla thank you so much for uh uh giving treasure of the sierra madre a chance
1: you bet yeah, anytime. I thought ex- except for when I don't feel like it.
0: I thought you were very fair to it. <laughs> Good, and you liked it more than I would have expected. Good. Uh, so that's number fifty-two on Craigslist. Coming up next week, we have number fifty-one. You know what that means, Carla? That you'll be half done Whee! when you finish that movie. Recorded that one, didn't we? <laughs> uh, you will be half done when you watch number fifty-one, and uh, this is a, uh, a drama. And uh, it was made in 1988, Ooh. and it uh, was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture, Ooh. and it won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for a performance by Ms. Gina Davis. Ooh. And it stars William Hurt and Kathleen Turner, and it was directed by Lawrence Kasdan. The Fly. <laughs> it's not The Fly. <laughs> It's called the Accidental Tourist. No,
1: I knew that because we already taped this. Okay,
0: <laughs> but like, go along with it and let's pretend.
1: Okay. Um. No,
0: no, that's fine.
1: Yeah.
0: The movie is called the Accidental Tourist, and
1: we have a guest. We do have a guest. You have to plug it.
0: His, plug him. Yeah, he's got three names.
1: He does.
0: <laughs> his first name is Mark. His second name is Evan, and his last name is Jackson. Mm, uh, we
1: got him. We did it.
0: Yeah, we've we've finally got Medge. Uh Mar-Savon Jackson is
1: uh Marcevan
0: <laughs> Well, because he spent some time in Detroit, I think he talked about on a spontaneous spontaneous nation once how people uh would see his name written and assumed it was pronounced Marcevan
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Uh
0: but yeah, uh Jackson uh or Mark as he's sometimes <laughs> called, uh watched The Accidental Tourist for us and we're going to talk about uh, that movie next week. So please tune in. Uh, for number fifty-one on Craigslist. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. The list is an absolute good. The list is
1: life.